guys! This week's episode is brought to you by Grove Collaborative. Over half a million families use Grove to get all-natural home, beauty, and personal care products delivered right to their door. And with your first order, they'll throw in a free five-piece Mrs. Myers gift set, free shipping, and a free 60-day VIP trial when you sign up at grove.co slash YHL. That's all at grove.co slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing the ways we keep our lives and our home projects organized. Plus, John lives on the edge while we complete a long overdue painting project, and we try to unlock the psychology of what side of the bed you sleep on. You know, believe it or not, it has been almost a full year since we got our brick house painted white. I know everyone's like, no, it hasn't. But it was, remember, we were scrambling before Halloween to get like hanging wires off the front porch so kids could get candy. And Halloween is upon us again. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, I guess, 11 months ago, technically, that it was painted white. But this whole time, we have had a dangling project, which has been... A dingleberry, if you will. No, I won't. No, this whole time, our shed has not been painted white. And technically, in our neighborhood, your what shed- What color has it been? Uh, well, it's been that same kind of like brownish color that it like came. Like a dingleberry? Oh my God. <laughs> Guys, Sherry will come back next episode when she's in her, when she's in her right mind. Your stuff John's with- going to mute me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you hear all these really awkward cuts this episode, it's me just cutting around everything she says. <laughs> Anyways, the shed has been the same color it's always been, which matched the old siding, but the siding is now white. And technically on our neighborhood, your shed is supposed to match the siding on your house. So we've been kind of delinquent in the fact that our house has been white and our shed has been brown for the last 11 months. Did we get in trouble? No. No. It's a very loosely enforced rule. (laughs) Mostly we were just anxious to get it done, but like- Not that anxious. It took us a year. (laughs) I was going to say, but then like in the fall slash winter, we told ourselves it was too cold to do it. In the spring, once it's warmed up, we were too busy with the duplex. And then once the duplex was done, it was too hot because it was summer. Right. So this past weekend, we finally actually got it done. We painted it white. It's the same white color that the house is. So there wasn't like some overwrought decision as to what paint to use. We actually had leftover paint from last fall that we could use. And I will put a progress picture in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. It's not done yet because we also need to paint the doors. I think we're going to paint the doors blue to match the um, front door of the house. So like everything is cohesive. Right now, everything is just very white out there. Right, because we have two back doors that are also that blue color. And I think if you're standing in the backyard and you turn and you see white house with blue doors and you turn the other way and you see white shed with blue doors, it will be very cute. It already is very cute. It looks like a little cottage. Yeah, and Sherry wants to add window boxes now, make it really lean into that cottagey feel. Now that I have a very cute shed with a window box at the beach, I demand that of all of my sheds. I think actually the toughest part was painting the little popped dormer on the top because it has a very small bit of siding that needed to be painted, but it is a really, really tight squeeze and you were also on top of a roof. It looked like he was sleeping on the roof. I was laying down. That's the only way I could get in there. Like I had my head literally under the eave trying to contort my arm back to this back corner. And as I'm up there doing it, thinking like, you know, this is such a nice day. I'm glad we're getting this done. I hear this buzzing in my ear, which doesn't alarm me at first. Like, it's nature. There's lots of buzzing. (laughs) Then I look back right behind me under this eave that I've squeezed my head into is a giant wasp's nest. (laughs) 
John surprise. pops out of there. <laughs> yeah, surprise. There are wasps in it. He pops up so fast that well, I'm like, what? 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 That's when, after I explained to Sherry what I've seen, she said, well, you're not going to die from a wasping, but you could die from rolling off this roof. Yeah, I was like, keep your cool, because if you get stung, you get stung, but I don't want you to get stung and then fall 10 feet to the ground. So, like, very slowly get your body off the roof. I'll hold the ladder. Well, I could get myself off the roof, but I still had to paint. Like, I had to paint exactly where that nest was. So it became a very delicate matter. It was like America's Funniest Home Videos for sure. Well, fortunately, it did not involve like some fall off the roof that would have been accompanied by some funny sound effect. Right. But I did keep my cool enough to go grab a broom. Mm -hmm. The technical way you're supposed to remove a wasp's nest, I believe. (laughs) Which also could have been in America's Funniest Home Videos if it went wrong. Yes. I knocked it loose with the broom handle and then bolted. We let it fall to the ground. We're not trying to like spray and kill all the wasps. We're just trying to remove their nest from where we have to paint, which may or may not be to our peril. Yes, because I learned even after the nest was gone and like thrown in the woods, we were able to get it out there by batting it a few times with the broom. (laughs) All of this miraculously without getting stung. The long handle of the broom helped and we were very slow. We were allowing them to fly out and then getting rid of the nest. Well, but that was the issue is they wanted to come back to where their home was afterwards. So like... Even the next day when I was putting the paint coat on, because this all happened while we were still priming, they were still like lingering around there trying to figure out what happened to their nest and all that stuff. So I still had a very precarious, slow moving project that day because I didn't want to, I don't know, are they attracted by fast motions? That was my theory. I don't know, but the sting of a wasp, you guys, it hurts. I got one a few years ago working outside, and I thought I got shot in the leg. I remember being like, did it hurt that bad? And John ran around the house screaming, like a full rotation around the entire house. And fortunately, our neighbor saw. (laughs) Not my finest moment. So you know what we did? We moved. We moved away. You left your shame behind. I did. And then you conquered this wasp's nest. Yeah, and I didn't want to have to move from here, so I did not want to get (laughs) stung again. Uh, But anyways, we'll put some progress pictures in the show notes, like I said. And once we get it all done with the new doors painted and maybe the window boxes up, we will um, share more of it with you guys. But that's our update on the shed. No longer a dingleberry. Gross. And my what's new is in regards to something I very famously, two episodes ago, eh? I famously said, you'll never hear about this again because I'm done. Yeah, you guys thought we were done talking about Invisalign, but no, we jinxed ourselves. (laughs) That episode, I said, well, I'm going to get my permanent retainers today, and I'm officially finished, and not so much, guys. Dot, dot, dot. The story continues. The saga continues. They had done, like, a dance party for me. You know how, like, you get your braces off as a preteen, and they, like, shake maracas and sing a song and present you with a cup of candy? This did not happen to me. This happened to me growing up. And I didn't think they'd do it for the grown-ups, but I got my own festival. There was singing, there was a cup full of candy, there was nerds on a rope that my children really enjoyed, and I felt complete, right? I had a party in the honor of ending Invisalign. So imagine my surprise when I go to pick up my retainers, my night retainers, quote-unquote, and the girl says to me, for the next three months, these are going to be 16-hour retainers. So not night retainers. Sherry's supposed to wear them for 16 hours. And how long did you have to wear your Invisalign each day? 22. So you basically got six hours off. I got six hours off after three years. And I have permanent retainers too. Like that means on the back of my teeth, there's a wire with glue, much like inside braces. I have those inside my bottom teeth 
and inside my top teeth, and they want me to wear these retainers for 16 hours a day on top of wearing the ones glued to my teeth for 24 hours a day. Yep. So you basically are just signed up for like a slightly lighter version of Invisalign for the next three months. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm done at all. I basically do like 5 p.m. to morning. And so I do get off from morning to 5 p.m., which is amazing. But remember, I had envisioned like not having to take them out for meals, not having to go see people with stuff from my taste and talking like this. So all of this is to say that allegedly in three months, I'll be out of tooth jail. And I wanted to update you guys because everyone was celebrating me you're on tooth probation right now i really am and i felt like a fraud like i was like i'm out of jail but i'm really like kind of still in jail yeah we had to come clean with you guys that sherry's not done (laughs) right might never be done there might be like another party and then he's like surprise now you have to wear them for 22 hours again yes but since we did bring this up so shortly after saying we were not going to bring it up at all i feel like we owe our listeners one of our favorite segments which we like to call can we just talk about Can we just talk about having a side of the bed, like your designated side of the bed that you sleep on every night? This probably doesn't sound like a very novel concept, but it bubbled up on Twitter over the summer, and I just wanted to talk to you guys about it because a guy named Jeff Stein, I think he's actually a reporter for the Washington Post, sent this tweet out in July that said, several months ago, a couple we are friends with said they don't sleep on the same side of the bed every night. As in every night when they get into bed, they don't know who will sleep on which side. Still blows my mind. So John told me and I was like, I don't believe it. Well, the reactions on Twitter, and I will put a link in the show notes to this tweet and some of the ones they rounded up in response to it. But my favorite one, my favorite reaction is someone who responded and said, bold of you to admit you're friends with serial killers publicly. Well, I more was like, follow up question. What if your chapstick's on the wrong side? What if your book's on the wrong side? Exactly. Like, I keep a lot of things on my side of the bed. It would be annoying to me if I had to be like, John, can you hand me my contact case? By the way, can I have my coconut oil? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a very functional thing to have a designated side so that you can carve out your little station there and you don't have to reach across or leave something on the wrong side. Like, it does seem very shocking that someone exists that does not follow this routine. But I'm curious because maybe there are people listening who don't have sides of the bed and who could show me the way. Maybe I'm missing something fundamental about why this is a useful scenario. John wants to put a poll in the show notes. I can sense it. Yes. Well, because it also brought up interesting topics about do you always keep the same side of the bed like when you travel? Like, do you always sleep on the left side of the bed even if you're in a hotel? And we, more recently, I think in probably the last like five, six, seven years, have definitely kept that routine up. Like we end up on the same side of the bed no matter where we are sleeping. Which is weird because for the first like five years of being a couple, we didn't do that. If we stayed at a hotel or an Airbnb, it might be like, oh, this side table is easier for me to put all my junk. John has less junk. There's no side table on that side. He would sleep on that side. Yeah, I think we actually switched sides between our different houses. Like in our second house, we switched sides from where we had been in our first house and where we are now in our third house. That's funny. Well, and I realized that like you had just said, we would choose sides based on the scenario and how it basically fit our needs best. Like since I often get up early to exercise or run, I would always sleep on the side that was closest to the door so that I could like sneak out of the door of the bedroom without disturbing you. And I wouldn't have to like go around your side and like, I don't know, possibly knock into the bed or do something klutzy in the middle of the night. And I also think you have more 
nightstand needs than I do. <laughs> I'm nightstand high maintenance. Yeah, I mean, mine is basically like my phone, my glasses, and my book. But you're all sorts of like chapstick and water and... I take my contacts out in bed, which John doesn't do, so his are over by the sink. And mine literally, my case is like in the nightstand. I have my coconut oil, slather that on. Crystals. Crystals. You need your crystals near your bed, John. Right. You should have a like separate nightstand just for your crystals. <laughs> So like in a hotel, I think we used to put you on the side that had like the nightstand or more surface space, not just for crystals. (laughs) I don't travel with crystals anymore. (laughs) I used to and I lost them once. (laughs) True story. (laughs) So I couldn't figure out why we switched from this habit of always adapting based on the scenario of the room we were staying in to now sticking only to a certain side no matter where we go. Because now even if I have more nightstand space or I'm further from the door, like I'm always on the, what is that, the right side of the bed. Well, the thing that's weird about it is so since we sleep on the same sides always, I definitely have those nights where I wake up at the beach house and I think I'm at our house. Because the room is in a different spot, but I'm in the same spot of the bed. Right. And when I open my eyes, I'm like, why is that bathroom door not there? And then I'm like, oh, I'm at the beach house. The bathroom door's in a different spot. There was also some people in the thread that said even though they are single, they still have a side of the bed for themselves. Like, they could go wherever they want each night. They could spread out in the entire oh, bed. Oh, I would starfish. Okay. <laughs> I would snow angel that so hard. I'd have arms and legs straight out just because I could in the middle. If you have a side of the bed... I would like to know, DM me or like message me on Facebook, why you don't sleep in the middle? Because I would be all over that. Because of the nightstand. Oh, That's never what mind. I think. Don't tell me. That's why. <laughs> Immediate <laughs> understanding. You want to be near your chapstick, which I also want to be near. You want to be near your book. I get it. Well, I realized also, again, thinking about this very deeply, that when I was in college and, you know, sleeping in my own twin bed, basically, that I was a wall hugger. Like, I used to sleep very close to the wall. Mm. For some reason, I don't know if I liked, like, the coziness of it or, like, I don't know, is it extra dark in the corner maybe but you get on the side? <laughs> but when I started sleeping in, like, a queen bed or a full bed where I wasn't against a wall that's, like, floating in the room, I still slept very close to the edge. Like, I think even to this day, I sleep very close to the edge of the bed. Yeah, I think that's definitely a true evaluation. I have a lot of space in a queen. People ask all the time, how do you guys not have a king? I'm like, I don't think we'd touch in a king. <laughs> because John is teetering on the edge of the mattress every night. <laughs> because we don't feel like we don't have space, I guess. I could put John in a mattress the size of the room and John would still be on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't need that much space. And I'm kind of a side and back sleeper. I roll, but I roll like I pivot. <laughs> I'm yeah. more of a Ross in bed than anyone else. Meanwhile, I don't want to be touched. <laughs> I don't want anyone near me. <laughs> We've talked about this. I'm a hot sleeper. So any, any other warm bodies near me just contribute to it. <laughs> But you know what I also just realized? That even when we lived in New York and we were sharing a full bed that was crammed up against a wall, uh, you were still on the side, on the outside with the nightstand because of your nightstand needs, even then. Nightstand needs from the beginning. Yes, exactly. And I was on the wall side so I could hug the wall. It did mean in the morning when I got up because I had to go to work before you did. Yeah, I got to go to work an hour later than John, you guys. Creative department. Highly recommend it. I think I had to uh, sneak out of the foot of the bed, like inch my, <laughs> like scoot your way out to the foot. This is a tiny room with the bed touching the wall and John would have to basically like pole vault over me yeah. to get out. But he wanted that side and I wanted my side. And look at us. We're still married. Yes, we were all very happy. Anyways, um, like I said, in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, I'll put a link to this tweet and the article about it and also put a poll in there. It actually may need to be two polls because I feel like pretty much everyone is going to agree that they have a side of the bed every night. 
But I think we might find, like, when you talk about going to a hotel room or sleeping in some other room, that people might switch more often. So, Like when you go camping, do you put your sleeping bag on the same side? Oh, that would be an interesting insight. Right? Like, how many, how far does it go? Do you bring a nightstand into your tent? <laughs> do you refuse to go camping because of your nightstand needs? I think there's a lot of reasons you refuse to go camping. <laughs> a plethora. That will be its own podcast. Right. Look forward to my list of things I don't like about camping. Well, next up, we wanted to answer a listener question, and it doesn't come from a specific listener, but it's a question that we get asked frequently, so we thought we'd lay it out here. People are always wondering how we keep ourselves organized for not just our projects, but just like our day-to-day calendar. Like, what sort of planning tools do we use to keep our work and our family and our projects organized. Yeah, and I think people expect that there is some very super hyper efficient something. Like I think they want one answer and they expect it to be very high tech. Or like very well thought through. (laughs) Right. And the answer is what we do works for us. It's a little bit analog. It's a little bit digital. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) No, it's it's not a lot of fun fun, I would say. I felt like after a little and a little, I needed a lot of something. (laughs) You need to close the loop on that one. But it completely works for us. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like people, when they're asking this question, I think they hope to get out of it some genius new trick or system that they can take. And maybe you will take something from this. But I think the thing that I've learned from ironing out what we do over the years is that you just have to find something that works for you, even if it isn't the most perfect, most high tech our most impressively organized system. But as long as you and whomever you're sharing it with can agree to it, then that's all that matters. Like, right, like you have to keep up with it. Yeah, I've stopped sort of driving myself crazy thinking there is something better out there. Like every once in a while, we're like, ooh, let's try this new app and see if we can switch our whole system to that. And usually just ends up being an exercise in frustration because you spend so much time transferring all your stuff to this new app. And then you are just taking yourself out of what is an already existing habit and trying to create a new one. And like creating new habits is hard. Right. Our system kind of breaks down to like three tools. And like Sherry said, they're a little bit analog and a little bit digital. The first one is for our calendar. That is completely analog. We have a physical planner. It's a day planner. Yeah, that is our calendar. We don't have a even a big wall calendar or something like that. It is just a small book that sits on Sherry's desk or sometimes it sits on the kitchen counter. And that's where we write all of our scheduling things into. So like doctor's appointments, meetings, whatever. We have tried in the past to switch to like a Google calendar system so that we have access to it on our phones because I can hear you all out there now saying like, oh my gosh, how do you live without being able to see your calendar when you're out and about? I'll tell you. I say, I'll check with you and I'll get back to you. Yeah, I think there's a secret (laughs) life hack in that because by sometimes delaying commitments until we go back and check, like I think keeps us from overbooking our calendar sometimes. Right, like instead of saying like, yes, there's nothing on my calendar for that day, I might look at the, you know, six page spread open on my calendar. I can view the entire week at a glance and realize I have so many things going on Tuesday and Wednesday. I might not want to fill up Monday with a meeting when Monday's a day I have to get stuff done, for yeah. example. I think it also works well for you because you do use your planner for more than just appointments and dates. Like you will write little to do's in it or little notes or reminders. And I've found that personally harder to incorporate into a digital calendar. Like if you just need a quick reminder that like, oh, I need to call this person at some point today, or I need to, 
I don't know, even remember to take the recycling out or something like that. Oh, everyone's going to DM me and say, I use my digital calendar. I actually, I actually do use my digital calendar for my recycling reminder. So that was a bad example. I think what I like about my planner, here's where I'm figuring it out. I'm very visual. So I'll use an arrow or I'll use like a highlighter to make a mark around something. And I feel like I can easily do that analogly with my hand <laughs> right? and see a drawing or arrow or different color. And I know you can highlight in different colors and you can move things around digitally, but like I find that it's very fast for me to just do it in front of me on a piece of paper. Yeah, and we'll try to find a link to the specific planner we use. I wouldn't say it's a very special planner by any means. It's not one of those ones that people are always talking about on Instagram that also like organizes your goals and your year-long mission statement and all those stuff. Like it's not... A very deep planner, just one you buy off the shelf at Target. Well, now I have one that I got at a little bookstore in Rehoboth, Delaware. Oh, that's true. And I love it. Guys, the reason I bought this, it was like $30, but I was like, A, I'm supporting a small bookstore. And B, it has little boxes next to each line on each day. And I liked that because I used to... Like check boxes? Yes, that you could check off. And I used to junk up my planner by writing like paragraphs or like scribbling sideways or, you know, like there there were lines, but I didn't I didn't respect the lines. And by adding the checked boxes, I realized it encourages me to like keep it shorter and simpler. I've been loving it so far. It is a pretty compact planner. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll try to find a link to that or something similar, maybe put a picture of it in the show notes so you guys can see what we're talking about. So that's probably our most analog way of staying organized. The next thing we do for organizing our sort of shopping list or our errand list or our grocery list is using the Amazon Echo list. So, you know, Alexa. Don't say it. I feel like I had to say it so people knew what I was talking about. But we use her to add things to our grocery list or our shopping list because we have just found that is the most convenient way to keep those updated because literally in your kitchen, when you realize you're getting low on milk, you can tell her to add it to the shopping list. Yeah, it has been a game changer for us. Yeah. We add everything. We're like, oh, I'll need a nappy roller to paint the shed or, oh, I don't want to forget that the kids need this for school next week. And by adding all of it to a... Boop, I said her name. Yes, by adding it to her, it's too late. You've gone, you can't go back. We could bleep it. <laughs> Guys, whenever you hear a beep on our podcast, it's not a curse word. It's just us saying the name of a certain robot assistant. Okay. So anyway, I'll say, can you add whatever to the shopping list? And we also have a beach house list. Yeah, the thing with the Echo list is that you can make as many as you want and you just tell her like to add X to this list. And the nice thing is when you're actually in the store, if you have the app on your phone, you can just pull up your list that way and look at everything you added. And then when you actually pick it up or put it in your cart, you can check it off. And so your list is like constantly updated. And since we share that account, we both see the list on both of our phones. Right. And then the other digital list we keep to keep ourselves organized is a shared Google Doc. And this is probably the place where people are like, oh my gosh, there's much more high-tech ways to keep to-do lists and project lists. Cue everyone telling me to try Trello. Yes. We have tried Trello. We've we just used Trello. We didn't adapt to it well. We edited an entire book in Trello, and we prefer Google Docs. So just do what works for you. I love that you guys love Trello to each their own. I'm Trello. not against giving things a try every once in a while, but right now, like we got through the beach house and the duplex renovations, which were big projects for us using this Google Doc system. And that's basically like we have a shared Google Doc that we can both access from our Gmail accounts that we can look at on our desktop or we can look at on our phone. 
And it's just, I mean, it's basically like a Word document that we can type our to-do list on. We can put in phone numbers for contractors. Like it's just a very flexible system for us so that we can put any sort of note that we need to remind us where we are on a project, what we need to get for a project. And I think why we fell into that system for especially the duplex and the beach house renovations is because oftentimes when we're here at Richmond, all we can do is plan. Like we can't actively do anything because we're not in the house. So we have to keep ourselves organized so that when we make the next trip, we're as prepared as possible. Like we've picked up all the materials we need. We know exactly what task we're gonna do next. Yeah, I'll give you a concrete example. In the Google Doc entitled Beach House, there were three categories almost always running throughout the entire renovation. And they were to bring, colon, and that's where I would list, I wanna bring the screwdriver for this one thing. I wanna bring this paint that we already have at our house. I wanna bring hem tape to fix the curtains. Yeah, and that was a helpful list because as we were packing to go, we would always reference the to bring section to make sure we weren't forgetting anything. Exactly, and then right under that in the same document, still entitled Beach House, under the to bring section, there was another title that would say to buy colon. And that would be stuff that I didn't have in my house to put in the car. It was a trip to the store. And so in the to buy section, it might be like, I need more of that paint and semi-gloss finish, or I need to buy that drill bit that works through brick. So it would be finding the exact items I needed to purchase before the trip so that I had them ready. They were in the car along with all the stuff that I needed to bring. And then the third section, same doc, right under that would say to do colon. And so that's where we keep track of things that you might not be reminded of by what you bring. Like say there's something I want to do at the beach house, but the tools are already at the beach house. Like you need to touch up some paint. Exactly. But the paint's already there. There's a brush already there. It's not on to buy or to bring, but to do is like touch up the baseboards or sand down and restain that item. Just having that to-do list to reference is nice. It feels really good to cross things off. You feel mentally like you can let it go once you write it on a list, which is the reason I like a list. Yeah. And I will interject here because some of you may have listened to this whole thing and just say like, I am not a list person. I hate keeping lists. They stress me out. That was definitely me. Still is me sometimes. I was not someone who liked having a big to-do list like Sherry has always had. Like she will think of any small little thing that she wants to accomplish or needs to get done and it will go on a list. But for me, I didn't always like a growing to-do list because it felt like if a list existed out there, I didn't have any excuse to like sit down and relax because there are things I could be checking off. Like I could be barreling through a list. But I have kind of grown to love the list or at least appreciate the list because it is a way to release the mental weight. Like you don't have to keep these reminders in your brain. Yes. You don't have to actively think about them. You can put them down and sort of let them go. And I think what taught me to let them go more is the fact that these to-do lists for the beach house and the duplex, I couldn't act on when we were in Richmond. Like I literally could not do those activities. I had to say they're on this list so that when the time comes... I am organized and can be efficient. And so I've started to keep that attitude for anything, whether it's happening here in Richmond. It's like, just because it's on the list doesn't mean I need to do it right now. But it means when I have the time or when I have the energy, now I know exactly where to start or what to work through. Or if I have five minutes, I can look at the list and see like, is there a five minute thing I can check off? Yeah, I love the list because it does let me mentally let it go. You know, when you're like laying in bed and you can't sleep because you have all these things running through your mind, I will update a to-do list that we share and then I'll go to sleep because I'll be like, it's on there. I can think about that another day. Like to me, it's a way to put it off for another moment instead of 
churning the worry around and flipping it over in my mind and worrying that like as soon as I wake up in the morning, I need to spring into action. Like it lets me let it go. Yeah. And the other reason I love it is I just feel like it makes us faster. Or at least makes us more efficient. Yeah, exactly. Because when you see all the things on your list together, then you can group them and schedule them in like a very efficient way. And when we were working on the duplex, we found that we could waste a ton of time like walking back and forth to get things if we weren't organized. But looking at the list, we could say, let's bring a screwdriver for that one thing. We need wood glue for that other thing. And so in our hands, like our four hands, we could walk over with these six objects and knock off eight things off the list. If I hadn't had a list. Was that precise math? Probably. Lots of numbers there, guys. Four hands, six objects, eight things, ten elbows. Two hearts. I just want you guys to realize that we would have walked back and forth 60 times if we didn't There's have the There's some precise math. That is a real math. Four billion times. <laughs> really quick. Traverse the globe, eight circles. <laughs> I'm really telling the truth because I have done things where I don't map it out and I'm like, eh, we'll just figure it out. And I will go back and forth, back and forth. It's so dumb. So just looking at the list and being like, bam, 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 bam. Like we couldn't have checked all those things off if we didn't bring all the materials over in one fell swoop instead of having to stop to figure out what we were doing and what we needed. Right. And to sort of wrap up again, the three things that we use to keep ourselves organized are that analog planner, the list we keep on our Amazon Echo and the Google Docs. Again, I know there's plenty of other apps there that would probably do these things better or more intricately, but that's just what has worked for us probably over the past three or four years. So at this point, I'd say we're pretty stubborn about switching. Right. I am an old dog, and I am not always good at picking up new tricks. Yes. I will say I will consider new tricks, but I'm (laughs) unlikely to learn them. (laughs) Unlikely to master them. We'll try them for a few days, and we'll fall off swiftly. I'll have two hands, 20 tricks. Nine days, $4 billion. (laughs) And a trip around the globe. Right. It's the amazing race, everyone. (laughs) Actually, speaking of a trip around the globe, this is a great segue. What I am digging this week involves a transatlantic trip. How's that for a tease? Boom. But first, we're going to take a quick break. If you've already heard us talk about this week's sponsor before, let me have your ear for like a couple more seconds because I want to tell you why one of my big hesitations about them ended up being unfounded. Yeah, and John's talking about Grove Collaborative. They're that online marketplace that only carries all natural products for your home and beauty and kids and pets. So it's great because it takes the guesswork out of going green and you can get things delivered right to your door. Well, but it's actually that delivery part that gave me pause about them at first because we've mentioned before that you can get recurring shipments so you don't like ever run out of anything. But personally, that worried me that I'd end up paying for something that I didn't need. Yeah, like maybe you don't need new bottles of detergent every month. Yeah, but that's what I've been pleasantly surprised by ever since we started using Grove, because they're so good at reminding you when a shipment is coming up, and it takes like two seconds to change it, reschedule it, cancel it, whatever. I've never felt not in control of what's showing up on our front porch. Yes, we've literally never received anything we didn't want to receive. Unless it was a free gift. Oh, that's right, free gift, but we did want to receive it. So I go back to my original statement. Okay. (laughs) If you want to give them a try, sign up at Grove Grove.co slash YHL. There's a whole bunch of freebies. They're going to throw in a five-piece Mrs. Myers cleaning set. You get a 60-day VIP membership, and they'll even ship your first order fast and free, too. Again, that's all at grove.co slash YHL. Okay, so you heard that John's is sort of travel-related this week, but this week what I'm digging might inspire some self-reflection. Oh. Guys, I'm digging mirrors. 
some self-reflective mirrors. I couldn't resist the pun, but the reason I love the mirrors, I'm not just generally digging mirrors, is I am digging the fact that a mirror can replicate a window. Not identically, but it can mimic a window. You're not talking about one of these situations where people like put curtains around a mirror or like add the mullions to it and stuff like that. No, I'm not saying turn the mirror into a fake window with like down lighting or up lighting or curtains or rods. I'm just talking about if you have a room that feels unbalanced and my example is our own bedroom. We have a bed and on one side of the bed there's a window and on the other side of the bed there's not. And so for ages I've been like one day I'm going to add a window there. It will be so nice to have a window there. There's a perfect spot for a window. I don't know why the builder didn't add a window there. And instead of just like saying someday I'm going to add a window, I decided what if I rearrange the dressers and I lean a big mirror up in the spot exactly the rectangle where I wish there was a window and like poof, it's as if I have a window. It reflects light, it balances in shape and size and proportion and it completely mimics the feeling of cutting a hole in my brick house and adding a window which could be like a thousand dollar project for the price of the mirror. And I already own the mirror and had it on another wall. So this was a free bedroom makeover that I gave myself and John. Well, I think generally people talk about this idea about using mirrors as sort of a window placeholder when they can't put a window in. But I think what works particularly well in our situation that I underestimated the effect of was that it creates some symmetry where there wasn't before. The fact that it now leans, the mirror leans in a place where your eye wants to see a window anyways, really does some mental gymnastics to really convince you that that is a window. Right. Again, you clearly know it's a mirror. I'm not saying like there's some like magic trick going on, but because the mirror was similar in shape to our windows and we were able to lean it in a spot that is in line with the rest of the windows. Like I think if we had put like a small round mirror in that space, it would not have done the same thing. Agree. I think in the show notes, you should put some links to other mirrors that might be able to do this, like kind of window shaped mirrors. Sure, sure. I love that idea. There's some with like an arch top. If you have that kind of a window going on, there are lots of rectangles or like more square ones. And again, even if the mirror is like, $300, that's a lot cheaper than a window and cutting the house in most cases. Yes, a lot less dust for sure. Yeah. Well, and what I'm digging this week is a book about the Lusitania. Who expected that? Yeah. Maybe everyone now because everyone knows your like nonfiction kick. Yeah, I'm on this like historical nonfiction kick that continued through the summer. And a book that I picked up for some beach reading, you know, some light chipper beach reading was about the sinking of Lusitania during World War One. <laughs> Uh, It's a book called Dead Wake by Eric Larson, which I'm sure a lot of you guys know because it's not a new book. It was just new to me. And I had actually read his more popular book, uh, Devil in the White City, years ago. But this was before I was mature enough, I think, to appreciate a historical nonfiction book. And so I don't really remember like enjoying it that much. John didn't have a lot of feelings. And and there are many people I know who name that as their favorite book. Or at least their favorite book of his. Like when I said I really enjoyed Dead Wake, they're like, oh, you have to read this. And I was like, oh, I've read it. I I was okay on it. They thought it was like blasphemous that I did not (laughs) love Devil in the White City. So I may go back and reread that because I don't remember much of that. I believe that one is about a murderer uh, that was taking place during the like Chicago World's Fair. Again, I have to reread it. But anyways, Dead Wake is about the Lusitania, which is another one of these like Titanic style ships that carried passengers across from the U.S. to Britain. And in this particular instance, I mean, this is not a spoiler because this is a historical event, but it was sunk by a German U-boat 
and was actually the event that sort of pulled the United States into World War One. And so I didn't know really anything about this. And the author, Eric Larson, just does like such a fantastic job telling the story from various points of view. And it has that sort of heightened stress of watching the movie Titanic, because like, you know, going into it, that this boat is going to sink. And so like the lead up to it and the actual event itself, it's just all very fascinating. Like I burned through this book in two days, a 400 page historical nonfiction book about a boat. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Possum. What? (laughs) Just trying that one out. I just realized we let this whole episode go by without any mention of the start of Aquatober or Walktober. That was such a close one, John. Yes. If you don't know what we're talking about, we will put more information in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, but we would love for you to join us in our monthly challenge. And we love hearing what you guys do while you listen, like Diane on Instagram, who is listening on the way to federal grand jury duty when she missed her stop on the train. Whoops. And head over to younghouselove.com slash podcast also for this week's show notes, which have a link to that article about sides of the bed and all those mirrors that Sherry is Yes, I found such good mirrors and a preview of the painted shed. Go look at the picture and imagine it with glorious window boxes. Later. Bye. It's a little bit analog. It's a little bit digital. It's a little bit hairy. (laughs) Have you guys? No, No, we have to. Have you guys seen what's her name? Uh, it's not. It's not Mary Sloppins. Yeah, it's it's, it's ter- some- Terry Sloppins. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's like the funniest series of Insta stories from a dude who's kind of channeling Mrs. Doubtfire and Mary Poppins. Yeah, and he's trying to embarrass his kids on their way to their first day of middle school by and pretending he to be be a British nanny <laughs> instead of singing like a spoon's full of sugar. He's talking about puberty. <laughs> he's, he's it's a little bit scary and a little bit hairy.